Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week, new edition of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly sports podcast here on Click2Houston.com and KPRC2 Plus. Uh, as we bring it to you each and every Friday, either you're watching, you're listening, and learning about uh, Houston sports and what's happening over the past few days. Randy McAvoy, Ari Alexander with you. Hope you're having a great start to the weekend. And uh, segment two, we're going to talk more Astros as they have a, a big series uh, that begins with the uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, is what just about 40 games left or something like that. But we'll talk Astros baseball coming up in segment two. But all right, let's spend this first segment kind of state of the Texans now. Uh, it's been a busy week with the Miami Dolphins here for joint workouts, and they're going to play their preseason game coming up uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff there at NRG Stadium. It's been good to watch two teams go at it in, in a practice setting over the last few days. Yeah, it definitely breaks up some of the monotony of just everyday training camp. And not only – is it good to see two teams practicing against each other? I like the team that they brought in because the Miami Dolphins, when you look at their roster, there might not be as much overall depth on the Dolphins as the Niners, the Eagles, the mm-hmm. Chiefs, or these teams that were like the real, real Super Bowl contenders. But you look at the top-end talent at some of the positions that the Dolphins have is really good. I mean, you want Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie to, to get work in the secondary – Tyreek Tyree Hill, man. I would yep. say Jalen Waddle. He's hurt right now, but he's a guy they played against last year who who's excellent. Um, they have they just have good players at their the top level. They have a quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa is one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. And then you go on their defensive side. Andrew Van Ginkle had an interception in the practice. A good linebacker, Xavier Howard from from right here, Wheatley High in Houston, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is an All Pro. Uh, their D line is so good. They have like. Uh, I didn't even remember they had Bradley Chubb. They have Bradley Chubb. They have Raekwon Davis. Like they have a lot all of weapons. These guys. Man, the AFC East just loaded. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots general. are solid. The Bills are excellent. Yeah. And and you get the Dolphins, who are this like fun, flashy team with fast, talented players. I think it's a good measuring stick for the Texans to and for D'Amico, mm-hmm. who is very familiar with Mike McDaniel's. They work together and to kind of see how good are my guys against these top end talent NFL players. So we were out there Wednesday, and, of course, they worked out again on Thursday as well. Off today, and then they'll, of course, play the game coming up on Saturday. But, uh, you know, they, each team did their own drills, and then they gathered. If you're not familiar, weren't able to go out there, although it was a fan day, but uh, only a certain amount of tickets were, were handed out there. Uh, but you, you also saw some team versus team, and, and, and that was great, I think, for C.J. Stroud. He had Laramie Tunsil out there, and, you know, you go back to that New England game, he had no really – big offensive linemen in front of him that are going to play significant time. And uh, so he felt a lot of pressure then, but I, he needs his group as much as you can gather them, not only in practice, but in the game coming up Saturday, I think to help his growth at quarterback, because there's only one more test after that. It's uh, yeah. New Orleans. And it'll be tough because there, there were times that the protection struggled to give him time to throw. There was one play Raquan Davis got through for like a sack. You can't actually hit him, but he got easily got through before CJ had time to throw. And this is your most mm-hmm. of team, you know, first team offensive line. There were a couple nice plays. Uh, Tank Dell and CJ clearly have a connection. They spent a lot of time together over the summer. They clearly like each other off the field. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell like there when CJ is sort of like play breaks down, he's looking for someone. It feels like he's looking for either Dalton Schultz, the tight end underneath, or like where's Tank? Like, I know Tank can get open. I've been with him all summer. I know Tank runs around and and creates space. Where's Tank? And so that's something that I thought showed up that, like, in a panic situation, all right, tight end underneath, where's Tank? 
Right, and uh, they connected quite a bit on Wednesday for sure, working yeah. out with Schultz and, uh, and Tank because it was uh, all around the field as he has been all throughout camp. That, that brings up another question because people have seen the early sample size that we're getting from Tank Dell in, in practice and had a good opening game there in New England. Uh, was it five catches, I think? Five, five sixty-five in a score, yeah. I mean, who else is really jumping off the – off the uh, chart there, wide receiver, he's not going to be your number one guy. But, man, he is really stepping right in. And they need a Robert Woods to, to come through and to stay healthy and uh, some of these other guys that are in this receiving core. But Tank Dell's come right in, and, man, he's not, he doesn't look like a rookie out there necessarily. No, he's a guy that, like, he's just so quick and shifty, and he creates space well. And, yeah, like Nico Collins and Robert Woods – need to get something going I, yeah. I don't necessarily remember a whole lot of impressive plays from those guys and how much of it is on them how much of it is right. on there were a few where cj overthrew them or davis mills overthrew the the receivers but like do that Tank, a little bit wednesday but Tank dell scored three touchdowns on wednesday i know i mean it's uh he's been impressive i i i look at nico and i'll i don't look at him and say okay that's a number one receiver no. I, I don't think he ever will be uh, maybe late developer. I don't know, but this is uh, what year three now for him. Yeah, so we have third year for Nico. So this is a big year for Nico to to elevate his game and become that consistent target. And then uh, you know, again, we need Robert Woods. They're going to use the tight end, but uh, Tank Dell's been a great story so far. First few weeks of training camp. How many games do you need to see Tank Dell play well in real games, not preseason, mm-hmm. until you kind of say, "All right, maybe this guy is the number one receiver as a rookie." I mean, I'm t- Saturday's game against the Dolphins is going to be, an, to me, a kind of an indicator as well. That if he does that, that's two consecutive games. Yeah. Again, it's preseason, but still, it's consistency. I probably need for a rookie for me to be convinced a rookie would jump into that. I probably need all three games. Oh, preseason. I'm talking about regular season. Oh, regular season. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, like, um, how many weeks in the regular season? Where let's say like week one, they come out in the Ravens. Yeah. And their Ravens are favored to win. Let's say, assuming everyone assumes they would lose that game, but let's say Tank leads the team in receptions. Yep. So okay, and then does it again game. maybe in week two? Yeah. And then at that point, is like, I might is be Tank after two guy? weeks. I might be convinced. Okay. If he could put two. Playing the Colts, I think week two. Yeah, yeah, at home. Yeah. So I think if he could do two consecutive weeks in the regular season, I mean, this town will be talking about Tank Dell. Yeah. Being that guy, I. It's all about consistency, man. You don't necessarily like, want but he's that so the, little out there, yeah, man. Yeah, that's the, the durability. Thing is, what if what if he catches one across the middle? And yeah. that, you always had that concern in college, but he somehow seemed to avoid it for the yeah. most part. He he. Gets I don't think he space. will in the NFL. Well, yeah, it's 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 a different. Like beast. I, my prediction this year is is hopefully he will be a guy to be productive, maybe at a real really high level. But I do predict there's going to be a week he takes a shot. Or two, and he's going. He's going to be out. I, in this league with his size, and if he's going to be going yeah. over the middle, I, like I, I don't see him yeah. being being available all season long. It's by percentages alone. I yeah. mean, Steve Smith was able to to carve <clears throat> together a, a massive career, and he, he was, might. wasn't much bigger yeah. than Tank. Oh yeah, he is slight, and he looks slight uh, when you see him out there compared yeah. to the other guys. But and so it's it's kind of like the age old question, like how big do you really need to be when mm-hmm. he's quick and he gets open and he does all these like technical receiver things that are so good. Yeah. But you're always worried if this guy takes a shot over the middle from a safety, what's going to happen? Yeah. So Texans, a uh, couple of workouts uh, with the Dolphins and the game uh, coming up Saturday again, three o'clock uh, kickoff at NRG Stadium. And then they're, they're going to still work out a couple more days 
and then shift gears and go on the road for joint workouts. You'll be there in New Orleans with them uh, next week. <clears throat> They'll have a couple of days of workouts, and then they play a Sunday night game. So it's a little bit different schedule, extra day. But I imagine they'll probably be off on uh, Sunday and probably a light workout Monday, full this workout week, Tuesday, yeah. and then they travel Wednesday. Yeah. So I thought uh, uh, one guy that stood out at the practice, the ended it with a pick six, was Jalen Petrie. Oh, man, on Wednesday. That was awesome. And I think Petrie is really fascinating because you, you could hear it today as he was running down uh, – you hear it on, on Wednesday as he was running down the sideline. And uh, you could hear him just like talking smack the whole way, like, mm-hmm. it's just saying stuff. And then when you ask teammates like who talks the most on the field, it's Jalen. It's Petrie. Andy. You hear that a lot. Yeah. And then when you meet him, or like I've met his his family, his parents was at his draft party, and he's like the nicest, quietest guy in the world. Yeah, he's a different. And he, then on the field, he apparently just absolutely. or uh, CJ was telling a story a few weeks ago that they drive to practice together every day. And the whole time, Jalen's just, like, talking smack to him in the car <laughs> on their way to, to work. And and then, nice. like, off the field, he's the nicest guy in the world. That's awesome, man. I, I remember that because uh, you and I were uh, right when he made that, that pick six, and it ended practice on Wednesday. So, at the very end, it was the pick six. He jumped in front, and some fan shot video. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it on, from the opposite end. And uh, stepped right in, and off he went. And as he's coming down past us, uh, I know I saw Hannah McNair and she heard him and i think cal wasn't far away but she got a kick out of it because once the team went and mobbed him yeah then they came back and you know practice was over and they were, were huddling up as a team and she was just looking around high-fiving people so even hannah mcnair got into that that was a great way to end it and i uh, got everybody kind of fired up it's good to see well it's funny because yeah. like with petrie i've everything i've heard about him from people around him like off the field is he has very few interests outside of football. The guy just like likes football and just cares about football and goes home and watches tape and eats the right thing and works out and does all the stuff. And yeah. then so he just like eats, sleeps and breathes football all day. It's <laughs> like what he cares about. He's always wanted to be a professional football player. He is a professional football player. He takes yep. it extremely seriously. He enjoys it. He never gets bored of like, the training and the tape and all the stuff. Right. And that he's like kind of your, like as a coach, like the coach's dream of a player. Cause this yeah. guy cares so much. It's like, it's his whole life. He wants to be the best man. Yeah. No doubt about it. Uh, hey, some things now we'll go another few couple minutes before we go to break. Things to watch out for in that game against the dolphins. I mean, it's easy to say CJ Stroud, that's never right. going to go away. Uh, I am curious um, in your opinion too, how long should CJ Stroud play coming off that new england game many fans weighed in and media weighed in it's like man there's only two series you blinked and his night was done but that said the the offensive line none of the guys were playing didn't really do him a lot of good the pressure was was coming quickly but if they if like tunsil plays a little bit and some more guys are intact on that offensive line on saturday i would like to see him play uh if not most of the half, at least the first full half. Yeah, I want to see a full half. The issue is, and it's not a Tex- necessarily just a Texans problem around the league. I've been reading a ton about um, everybody is complaining about this. Apparently the quality of backup offensive linemen in the NFL has been really bad this offseason specifically. And or at least people are just kind of starting to notice it, where just defensive lines are just ripping through all the backup line. And it's not just the Texans. It's like everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so if... Tunsil gets taken out early, and now you have, I don't know, is it Austin Deculus or whoever else, uh, Dieter, you know, who they're putting in the uh, the backup O-lineman, 
and CJ has no time to throw. Like one, you could get your potential franchise quarterback hurt. Right, you gotta be careful. And uh, so then, yeah, you you almost have to pull him at that point. But also, like, what is going on in the NFL that all these teams are struggling to find second team offensive lines? Yeah, I mean, Casario's now having to sign guys with injuries, and it's a concern. I think. I mean, we've still got a couple more weeks left of preseason, but. Right now, if you look at concerns on this team, I would be a little concerned about the offensive line. Interior line specifically. Yeah, interior because Titus now is going to be out for, yep. we think, a while. Maybe maybe he's back with a his hand all wrapped up yeah. week one. Who knows? But um, they got to shore that up. You're going to have C.J. Stroud out there for sure. But uh, anyway, I'm, I want to see a little more Pierce. I want to see, see some of the regular guys. And I think we will. Maybe not – all of them are going to go long term, long form, if you will, on Saturday. But hopefully, Stroud is out there a lot longer. Yeah, and I also want to see yeah. one thing from Damian Pierce: eat some food. I think he's gotten a little too skinny heading into training camp. I want to see the two extra scoops at Chipotle for Damian Pierce. <laughs> Put a little bit more weight on him. I want to see him stay healthy throughout the whole year. I think he has yeah. the ability to Just eat some food. Mix it in a little bit. Yeah. Hey, it's hot out there. You probably uh, lose water losing weight and all kinds of Five pounds of sweat. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. So uh, that's the Texans, uh, state of the Texans for this week. Uh, again, preseason game number two coming up uh, Saturday, 3 p.m. NRG Stadium. And then they'll move on and uh, wrap up the preseason next week uh, with joint workouts and a game in New Orleans uh, taking on the New Orleans Saints. All right. We're going to take a break here on Houston Sports Weekly. Uh, that's the uh, latest on the Texans. We're going to segue to some Astros talk uh, as well. The Astros, uh, under just under 40 games left now in this season, and the Rangers are not going anywhere. So state of the Astros, where things stand, and how big this series is with the Seattle Mariners coming to town. We'll talk about that when Houston Sports Weekly returns. And welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly sports podcast on clicktohouston.com and KPRC2+. Great first segment uh, if you're listening or watching, talking some Texans and kind of where uh, things stand right now with uh, the Texans as they approach uh, their ball game with the uh, Miami Dolphins coming up Saturday, 3 o'clock there at NRG Stadium. But as we told you, we're going to segue in this segment uh, to talk some Astros, Ari, because Hey, man, they're used to running away with the AOS, and that obviously has not been the case this year. And uh, shout-out to the Rangers. They've been able to manage a couple injuries, but they've stockpiled there at the uh, trade deadline, and they're playing great baseball still. This thing's going to go down to the wire. They're still going to go head-to-head. they I gotta look it up. They either have three we, or six games left. I think they have three. Head I think there's head. one series okay. left. Yeah, but there's less than forty games left, and the Astros are at home against a team like Seattle that plays well against the Astros. So a uh, little room for error right now because you got to keep it tight. You can't go five, six games back again. No, and you got to give credit to the Texas Rangers because they, first of all, they've been one of the best hitting teams in baseball all season. Yeah. They had issues in the pitching side. They had issues in the bullpen. They had issues in the rotation. They shored everything up at the trade deadline. They went out and got two starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. Jordan Montgomery has been excellent for them. Max Scherzer has been good for them. Mm-hmm. As a Mets fan, I don't trust Scherzer, so just just wait until it gets in a real serious game and he'll he'll choke like he did in New York. Uh, but then the bullpen, they went out and uh, they got Chris Stratton from the Cardinals, who's just like a, so they just needed more solid middle guys, mm-hmm. and they went and got a role as Chapman. And I know like Jose Altuve owns him, but if uh, if you're the Rangers and you're struggling eight nine innings, their closer this year is Will Smith. Like Astros didn't want to re-sign Will Smith at his price point. And the Rangers signed him on a minor league deal 
and he's their and closer, closer. Yeah. for a first place team who's one you know one mm-hmm. of the top records in the AL. And so I think that there are some some points weak points on that team pitching wise, where like Jordan Montgomery's a good pitcher, but he's a number three. How long can he keep this up? They have who is the most talented pitcher in baseball and Jacob deGrom out. He's not going to pitch for the next year and a half. Yep. So it's up to Scherzer who had, who struggled in the two biggest starts of the year last year uh, that he had to make for the Mets in a massively pivotal game against the Braves that lost in the division and then a playoff game against the Padres. And then it's like John Gray, Andrew Heaney, uh, Dane Dunning, and then Nate Eovaldi from here. Yep. He's coming back from a forearm injury. So is Eovaldi's like, been really good. He, if he comes back healthy, then, look out, man. Yeah, then you start, you have a solid yeah. one, two, three. Right. And then, then you look at the Astros, how they match up. Verlander's been really good for the last, like, six weeks, including the couple starts for the Astros and the, the last, like, month he pitched for the Mets. So mm-hmm. it was really good. Mm-hmm. Fromber has had a few rough starts, but largely you can sort of trust that he'll mostly be okay. And then what? Like, J.P. France has been excellent. You kind of can't trust Christian Javier at this point. Javier, no, definitely not. Or Keedy and Hunter Brown. I have wonder if all the innings started to catch up with Javier from last year and this year. I think some of it yeah. is that, and then there's. I read a couple articles about it. His vertical attack angle, and it's just like the arm slot has like raised a little bit, and so the angle that the pitch is coming from has gone to league average from being well above league average, and that flattens out that rising effect on the fastball, and guys are seeing it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Astros uh, need to, they just need to play great baseball right now and have some of these guys come through. I mean, every game is big. I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. I know Seattle's here uh, this Boston. weekend. Is it Boston? After for uh, four. At Fenway? No, no, it's here. It's here, okay. For so, four. But Boston's playing good baseball. Boston's last, good. Uh, since, Watch out for Tristan Cassis. Their uh, yep. rookie first baseman has been good. And then they go to Detroit. And then they go to Boston. So okay. you got to sweep the Tigers. Yeah, you need to. They're <laughs> one of those pesky teams that can surprise you a little bit. Yankees, as well. Rangers, Padres, mm-hmm. Oakland, KC. That little six game between. Six games with the Royals is going to be. Yeah, so three against so. Oakland and three against KC. You should win five of those six. They have Baltimore at home and then three more against KC. So again, you got to beat yeah. KC, Seattle, Arizona. Arizona's been struggling lately. They have, but uh, man, it's just uh, fans aren't used to this because, as we said at the top, Astros are usually double digit leads in this division, and uh, there's no panic in August. And I don't think there's panic right now. I still, you still look at the national analysts when they, especially last week on MLB Network, they come out like who, in their opinion, who the contenders are for a World Series. And on several of them, Right there are the Astros. They they still believe in this Astros team. Yeah, and they have the Astros most... believe in themselves. You know that. And uh, so uh, will it be enough? But head to head, they got to take care of business. Teams like the Texans. So uh, let's talk about Kyle Tucker and the season he's having, and and you know, what that means for this long term deal that Dana Brown hopes that that happens in the off season, but. You and I talked, I think, last week about right. it. It's not a, not a given. It's going to be costly, man, to, to, to lock up Kyle Tucker. Well, if I'm Kyle Tucker, I'm saying no to almost every deal you offer unless it hits. It takes you through all of your prime years and past, mm-hmm. and you hit a certain number, which is going to be significantly above $200 million. For ten, probably 10 years, right? Well, I would say nine could probably get it done because yeah. he's 26 this year. his age 26 season. Mm-hmm. He has two more seasons with the Astros. So he goes into free agency going into his age 29 season 
you're getting a lot of productive Kyle Tucker on a long-term contract because of how young he is going into. He was a, a high school draft pick, mm-hmm. went through the system quickly, came up with the Astros, what, in 19, like eight, was he late, late 18? He played like 10 games, or yeah. and then he came up in 19 and played a little bit in the playoffs. So that was, what, four years ago? He was like 22? Mm-hmm. So he hit the league early, and then 2020 was the first year he got like real playing time, and he was 23. Right. And then he was really good as a 24-year-old, and he was excellent as a 25-year-old. And this year he's having a, you know, I think he's going to get top five MVP votes his age 26 season. So he's been good for like four years now. He's been one of the best players in baseball overall. I know his de- defensive numbers are down this year. He won a gold glove last year, mm-hmm. plays the outfield well, hits, good clubhouse guy. That is expensive. He checks every box. I mean, Five-tool no player, doubt. runs. Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. Could it be kind of an unprecedented uh, commitment by Jim Crane? To, to well, it would have to happen. be. It's like either you make the deal or you're going to lose him. Well, but the, it's funny because, like, I was thinking about this earlier. The golden generation of Astros players has been all kind of the first-round picks. So it's guys that, like, Crane signed off on, if we believe, to give this giant signing bonus money to. Uh, I think Correa was pre-Crane, but Correa was the first overall pick. George uh, Springer was a first-round pick. Uh, there was one more guy I'm thinking of. Bregman was a first-round pick. Yep. And so Bregman got kind of like the mini extension. Not, you know, five years, $100 million isn't mini, but it's not this massive long deal. Uh, he didn't get Correa paid. Didn't right. get Springer paid. They got paid elsewhere. And uh, McCullers came in with Correa, right? And McCullers was a first rounder, I believe, draft. or a comp pick or something like that. Or yeah, same draft though, right? yeah. And yeah. he, but he also got that mini, the five eighty five. And and I think Jim Crane has found kind of a sweet spot where they've been able to take advantage of some of the injury risk. So Jordan Alvarez, when healthy, is a top three to five hitter in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. You got him for a six-year, $115 million deal because you're kind of worried about his knees, and then he's got kind of this hand thing or whatever, and he's missed some time this year with an oblique injury. You're not 100% sure how many games a year he plays defense versus how much he DHs. So you're, you're going, you're bringing that to, to his agency, to MVP Sports Group, and going, hey, we love this guy. However, is he a DH? Is he an outfielder? How are his hands? How are his knees? How much is he going to play? And so you can kind of bring that number, keep bringing that number down. Mm-hmm. You go to Kyle Tucker, what are you going to say? Oh, a uh, injury. Nope. Wouldn't that be uh, interesting to be like a fly on the wall there? Yeah, discussions? with Excel and Jason Romano and Casey <laughs> Close. And they go, well, he's got some injury. Nope, never been hurt. Uh, well, what about clubhouse issues? Nope, never been a clubhouse Class issue. Guy, yeah. Defense, won a yeah. gold glove, running. Uh, he's about to steal 30 bases. Power, power, average. Like, Where's that check? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing that you can bring the value down. Correa had some of the MRI stuff. Right. You could bring the value down. Um, Bregman, he stayed, healthy, he stayed healthy. He's producing. I mean, he, Bregman, there's really nothing. No. Um, and then Springer too. Well, he's an aging center fielder. We're going to mm-hmm. have to move him to right. He's had some injury stuff or whatever. There's nothing you can bring the use to bring the value down on Kyle Tucker. Yeah. Got about a little less than three minutes before we wrap it up. Uh, just quick hits. Now, uh, the whole it's lighting up sports talk radio. Just, uh, you know, how long do they stick with Martin Maldonado? frustrations with fans like why is uh why is he in the lineup every day that your fan voice every, every, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but everybody knows it's because inside that clubhouse the pitchers and not that yonder diaz can't get there but he's right. not there yet the bat lack of offense aside every pitcher in that clubhouse trusts martin maldonado you know who else trusts martin maldonado ryan presley's mom 
Oh, well, that's, you gotta she have mom on board. Went on Twitter and defended. Hold on, I want to pull this up and defended Martin nice, Maldonado. Nice. Uh, Amy Presley. Way to go, Amy. Was just all she is. <laughs> uh, she was not happy about the the Maldi haters. Uh, let's see if I can find the tweet, Maldonado. But basically, the the thing with him is that. He's a guy that guys are comfortable with. He game plans and even some of the things that, that Yiner Diaz does in terms of game planning, right. he's learning a lot of that from Maldonado. Yeah, absolutely. He He's going to be there next year. Diaz is probably going to be the guy. But uh, in this particular year, especially with Verlander coming back, all these other guys, just trust factor. And, you know, a couple games last week, he got two hits, three hits. And that's you know, rare for Maldonado to, del- to deliver like that offensively. But – you just know what you're going to get. You're going to get a guy that's going to hit under 200 and give you a pop every now and then. Yeah. you got to live with it. But, but And that's the thing is you also kind of know this might be the last year of it. He's a yeah, free agent at the end of this year. Yeah. And, and they have enough depth at the catcher position that uh, the Yiner Diaz can take over. You have, I th- you know, whatever people think of Cesar Salazar, Dana Brown has clearly identified him as this is a guy we believe to be a solid backup right. catcher. That's what he is, and we're going to stick with it. And yep. everything I've heard from internally from the players, they like the way Salazar prepares, calls games, clubhouse, does all that stuff. Is he going to hit a ton? No, yep. but he is a backup catcher. Less than a minute, uh, gut feeling on the Astros in this next little less than 40 games. Think they're going to catch him, or you think it's a wild card? Uh, I wanted for the last month, I'd want to say they would catch them, but the, the Rangers are playing too well. I still think they win the AL, but they might have to do it from the wild card. Good point. Good point. I, I haven't ruled out catching the Rangers. I just think eventually they're going to hit a wall. They just haven't hit it yet. And if they don't more power to them, I yeah. just think eventually that's going to, the struggles have to happen. when you look at look at the way it can't last all season long. Right. Uh, anyway, Astros in Seattle this weekend, Texans and the Miami Dolphins coming up on Saturday at NRG Stadium. Hey, it's been a great uh, Houston Sports Weekly uh, talking uh, Houston Texans football as they inch closer to the regular season. Preseason will continue, and, of course, the Astros uh, as they push towards what they hope will be a continued playoff run as well. For Ari Alexander, I'm Randy McAvoy. Thanks for tuning in to Houston Sports Weekly. We'll do it again next week. Take care.